And uh, my name is Austin Fennell. I will be the moderator for this session. Any of you who've got cell phones and they might be on, would you please make an effort to take them off and shut them down so they don't interfere? The cost of the luncheon is $11 if you put it in the basket on the table in front of you. And perhaps somebody at your table would count to see if it's the correct amount. We're going to hear from our speaker for about 25 to 30 minutes, then have lunch, and uh, then we'll have a question period after that. So you might use your lunch, use your lunch time to think a little bit about the kind of questions you'd like to ask our guest speaker. Who is Larry Elford? And we're glad to have him back. He's been here before. Uh, he is a retired portfolio manager, but he's anything but retired. He worked for one of the, some of the largest financial institutions in Canada, and today he's under private contract. He works as he is, he is asked, and he investigates, writes, speaks, coaches the public on how to obtain honest treatment of their investments. Now, do you like that? Yeah, I think so. He's also produced a documentary film, uh, which is to assist investors, and he is currently the founder and executive director of a web forum uh, that attempts to reveal predatory practices. Well, we're glad, glad to have Larry here. And welcome, Larry, and please come and speak to us. Thank you very much. And thanks to the uh, program committee of SACPA for, for continuing to allow me to come and share my thoughts with you once every few years. We're going to talk about fraud today and a specific kind of fraud that I find really interesting, systemic fraud, as opposed to the speaker last week who was really good from the Lethbridge City Police, and he talked about the types of frauds and scams and, and telephone frauds that people are affected by, and everybody in the room put up their hands for telephone frauds and various things he mentioned. But they're very, uh, they're very common. The Justice Canada website says that the average, the average garden variety fraud that we hear about is approximately a $5,000 financial cost when you average them all out across the country. $5,000 times millions of frauds would be billions of dollars. I come to talk to you today about frauds that are in the billions of dollars. And the, the difference between the frauds that I find fascinating and the garden variety street fraud or telephone fraud is the uh, the stuff that I deal with is, is is systemic. It's built into the system. It's fraud that happens in, in a rather invisible fashion. It's fraud that happens from, as someone said um, last week, it's fraud that happens from people you hire, people you retain, people you trust. And so we'll get into it a little bit here. The uh, images aren't showing up on the screen quite at the size that I'd like, but Financial fraud, abuse of the elderly, is uh, the crime of the 21st century, according to some. And I'm going to try to share with you a few videos, like like last week. And I, I'll warn you in advance that the wireless connection is not quite uh, as robust at this moment as it was during rehearsals. So some of these videos are not playing uh, exactly as they should. But we'll give it our best effort. I remember I had projector problems last time I spoke here, so it'll be another multimedia uh, presentation where things flash and work and don't work. Death and fraud. Death and fraud. Death. The 
when someone has taken something from you and you're very sad because you know they have taken something from you. Fraud is when someone has secretly taken something from you and you're happy because you don't know that they've taken it from you, so it is a secret that. Two points for having a video that works right off the bat. That, uh, that analogy or that story was given to me by a police officer in Saskatoon, and he said, that's how they train us. In class, they write a happy face and a sad face on the board and say, can you find this fraud? And the fraud is the face that's happy because people don't know about it. We're going to look at invisible ways of defrauding people here. And the insidious thing, the thing that I cannot personally tolerate, is it's done usually by the professional industry. And so we're going to take a peek at that. Now the only problem with doing that here in Canada is it's not covered in Canada. And it has the strongest financial institutions in the world. And according to Professor Puri at the University of Toronto, we have the weakest regulations. So if you want to keep things secret, have very strong uh, institutions and very weak regulations. And that's what we have in Canada. So I'm going to take you outside of Canada to look at the problem from a perspective, a global perspective, because they have financial advisors in the US and in Australia and in England. And how they treat those will give you a view of what I'm talking about, because there isn't much talked about in Canada. I was talking to Dylan from the Herald before the session, and he says there's only three independent newspapers left in Alberta. The rest are chains, and chains don't typically uh, print this kind of information. Let's see if we can find you video number two. And I brought this guy along because I don't I don't expect you to take my word for this, so I brought some credibility with me. Let's hope this one plays. This is Obama speaking to the American Association of Retired Persons in the last year, and he's referring to new laws about investment advice should be governed by people who have to make the advice in your best interest. It's currently not. And he's introduced laws in the last one week that caused that. That's what I want to focus on today. If you are working hard, if you're putting away money, if you're sacrificing that new car or that vacation so that you can build a nest egg for later, you should have the peace of mind of knowing that the advice you're getting for investing those dollars is sound. That your investments are protected. That you're not being taken advantage of. And the challenge we've got is right now there are no uniform rules of the road that re uh, require retirement advisors to act in the best interests of their clients. And that's hurting millions of working and middle class families. There are a lot of very fine financial advisors out there, but there are also financial advisors who receive backdoor payments or hidden fees for steering people into bad retirement investments that have high fees and low returns. I think I'll stop that there. I've got a couple more minutes I can share with you, but you get the, the picture is that they're saying that investment advisors today don't have to act in your best interest. And that's kind of contrary to what the word advice implies. And that contrariness, I just invented a word, um, that dichotomy 
is what makes billions of dollars is to imply very very strongly through advertising and marketing materials and uh, and you're richer than you think on a television to imply that your financial person here in Canada as in the United States must place your financial interests first and what the insidious thing is and the invisible thing and the systemic thing is that there are two kinds of people who give financial advice there are the sales kind and there are the advisor kind <clears throat> the sales kind generally are not allowed to call themselves advisors but I haven't seen that law section 100 of the uh, Alberta Securities Act I haven't seen that enforced in 30 years so the slippery thing that we do as salespeople is that we look for the marketing advantage and so do the firms I work for and if the marketing advantage says let's change our names to advisors that's exactly what we do irrespective of what the law is so I'm going to read from uh, the Ontario Ministry of Finance financial advisory and financial planning policy alternatives they're holding um, discussions they're just starting to look at this problem and I, I hesitate to say it but they've been starting to look at it for 10 or 15 or 20 years here in Canada and as I mentioned they just enacted laws in the US last week I haven't digested them yet but they're talking about it in the US and we do not have the conversation in Canada we're too polite it's impolite to suggest that some of our largest most trusted institutions should not ought to be trusted should not ought to forget that so what the Ontario Ministry of Finance learned from their research and consultations is I'll read you two points one point is there is an absence of an explicit obligation for providers of financial planning or financial product sales and advice to act in their clients best interests there is a lack of explicit obligation they can say we'll act in your best interest that's a marketing scheme and it's a promise and in order to get delivery of that promise for a 90 year old lady Nora Cosgrove in Ottawa she had to take her bank to court you don't want to take a billion dollar corporation to court in your 90s so the promise is not a legal obligation um, this is detrimental going back to the quote from the Ontario Ministry this is detrimental both to consumers who rely on these services to achieve their financial goals and to confidence in the financial services industry so I'm here talking about harms to people not promises not trust me not you're richer than you think I'm looking at the systemic nature the rules the laws the regulations and the ways that we self-regulate the industry gets to police ourselves so that we don't have to apply the rules we don't want we can ignore whichever rules we wish to and enforce the ones we wish to going on with the quote the plethora of titles and designations utilized in the financial services industry may cause consumer confusion so the others the other uh, page here I'm almost afraid to jump to it is Ontario Securities Commission did a mystery shopping exercise in the last couple of years where they went to 80 different banks and mutual fund sellers and institutions pretending to be a consumer with some money to invest CBC marketplace also has done a couple of good ones in the last couple of years what the Ontario Securities Commission found when they did their secret mystery shopping is out of those 80 visits they found 48 different titles used to tell the client the public what these people were when there is only one question that's important the question is are you a salesman acting for a dealer or are you an advice giver acting for me 
as an 81-year-old in Ottawa said recently, I walked into my advisor's office expecting he was going to sit down on the same side of the table with me and act in my interest. And I only found out that years and years later, we found out later that he had no obligation whatsoever to act in my interest. He was acting with an interest for the dealer. Now you can't do that in real estate sales. If you have an agency duty to buy or sell a home, you have to disclose who you're acting on behalf of. And for some reason, the financial industry gets away from that agency disclosure. So the systemic thing is that we're going to hide the title and the license of the person who says, I'm an advisor, and we're not going to, we're not going to follow the laws in Alberta, Ontario, BC, and all the other 13 provinces and territories. And we're not going to disclose to you that we're actually licensed as a dealing representative. A dealing representative is someone who represents the dealer. In the old days, that was called a broker. It was a broker on one hand who did transactions, an advisor on the other hand who managed the pension fund for the Ontario teachers or whomever. It's quite a difference between advice and selling. You wouldn't go to a doctor who is a salesman. You go to a doctor or a lawyer expecting advice and advice that's in your best interest. The investment industry plays a word game on the name advisor and they convince people that they're in the same game of delivering advice that's in your best interest. So just to just to back that up a little bit, I searched the name of 60 advisors over the weekend to make sure I was certain what I was talking about and there's a search page. Uh, I can give you the links for it. It's are they registered? Is .ca is the latest one. And the systemic thing that's problematic of it, it gives you the Alberta Securities Commission or the Canadian Securities Administrator's search page to find out if you have a broker or an advisor or a portfolio manager. The insidious thing there is they tell you to go and see that he's registered. They don't tell you to see how he's registered or she. They hide the fact. So I looked it up, I followed the uh, followed the instructions and it's a little bit convoluted. It made it a little bit harder each and every year for you to find out this information. But I went to some of the biggest names in the city to see how many advisors we have. RBC, I worked there for 15 years. They have 14 advisors on their website, um, none licensed as an advisor, zero. CIBC, one advisor license or one advisor on their website, they just had a, a, a shakeup, zero licensed as an advisor. Bank of Nova Scotia, six people, zero licensed as advisors, they're licensed as something else. Uh, Bank of Montreal, seven, zero licensed as an advisor. Advisor is a legal category under Alberta Securities Act. Same thing in Ontario, BC, and the other provinces. So advisor is a pretty serious thing. It's like calling myself a doctor or a lawyer. But coming from the financial industry, and I began there in 1984, and I can tell you that back in the day, it was make the money, make the commissions first, make up the rules afterwards. And it's that's not a that's not a, maybe an intentional thing. That's just the, the case of the the business preceding the regulations, uh, going after the market, preceded any kind of thinking about whether we're doing this properly or improperly. So back to my list. Uh, TD has three people listed as advisors. They have zero licensed as advisors in Lethbridge. National Bank six zero licensed out of six people. 
Sun Life, Raymond James, Edward Jones, I could go on and on and on, but I think you get the point. The point is, in a systemic deception, I don't know if I'm going to call this a level of uh, fraud or systemic deception or concealment of licenses, or whether it's a negligent thing, or whether it's unprofessional. I, I was thinking of these levels as I came over here. It just doesn't mean fair, honest, or kind way to treat people is to tell them, trust me, I'm this when I'm actually not. It'd be like me saying, trust me, I'm a doctor when I have no such registration. Trust me, I'm a lawyer when I have no such license. Um, so it's, um, let's see, the other thing that my uh, train of thought left the building there. The other thing that comes to mind is that this is allowed because of self-regulation, because we hire the regulators and we pay the regulators in Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, all the provinces. We pay regulator salaries of up to $700,000 to do this job in Alberta and the top. And one wonders what you get when you pay $700,000. We're only paying a premier, $205. We only pay the head of the SEC in the United States, $165. But we pay the head of the Alberta and the Ontario regulators over $700,000. I think what you get for over $700,000 is you get compliance. You get a regulator who will, who will play the tune. He who pays the piper plays the tune. And if the regulator shouldn't enforce the fact that there are no advisors, no licensed people who have a duty of care, and the proper responsibility and the proper loyalty to you, not to the dealer, if we can hide that, we can make billions of dollars. Billions of dollars. I'm seeing how I'm doing on time here. 10.46? 12 minutes. 12 minutes. Okay, let's move it along here. Further to regulators, the Small Investor Protection Association came out last week with a study that showed that regulators who, who uh, apply fines to brokers and advisors who are treating their clients poorly, out of the fines, they collect somewhere around 6% of them, and there's $899 million in uncollected fines right now across Canada. So we're getting close to a billion dollars in fines that we don't bother to collect. We have laws which we don't bother to apply. And I would suggest to you, it reminds me exactly like looking at the Alberta Energy Regulator a year or two ago when we were going to do fracking on the west side and the regulator was working for the industry. Had absolutely no, well, I won't say absolutely no because they don't know it all but very little regard for public protections and very high regard for what the industry is wanting to do because that's who pays them. 100% of the salaries of the regulator in Alberta is paid by the industry. Zero is paid by the government. It's also how you get to 700,000. So, nine minutes left. What shall I show you guys next? We're going to look at Panama Papers, what happens when corruption is systemic, and that page is is only halfway loaded, but you all know that the corruption story of systemic systemic crime was in the news last week. I'm saying to you that it's the same in the financial services industry that I experienced, except I'm also saying that we keep it secret, that we don't write about it, we don't publish it. The large media, the corporate-owned media in Canada, has uh, their part of the system in one in one regard, it's like there's a Venn diagram where they intersect, where circles intersect. Uh, there is there is an intersection between the politics side, the finance side, the legal side, the regulatory, and the media side. 
and they all touch at certain spots, and they all have they all have an interest or a self-interest in sharing some of the systemic nature, and they just build a web of of intertwined self-interest, self-interest for money for the media. There's millions of dollars to put a full page ad in the Toronto Globe and Mail and in the Financial Post. And as a result, you won't read this kind of talk in the Financial Post or the Toronto Globe and Mail. They mute it down quite a bit. So what you're getting is you're not getting as much of the truth as you could be getting from a real so-called newspaper. And the for Cheryl to have to thank. They've done a wonderful job of, of giving this information. The one trillion dollar fight between Obama and Wall Street you haven't heard about, that's, uh, that's a few months old. But as I mentioned last year, they proposed rules that say if you're giving financial advice, retirement advice to school teachers and whomever, you are required that that advice be in the best interest of clients that you're giving. And that's not the game today. The game is how much can we harvest from clients? How quickly can we get it in the bin? My brother sent me a video of uh, Hutterite colonies uh, gleaning the fields around his land in Claire's home last year. And I looked at it, five combines going down in a row. Beautiful sight, I love it, the harvest air, the dust. And it just reminds me of what the financial industry is extracting. They don't produce anything. They just extract from Canadians part of your wealth. And I'm going to say we've gone past the extraction part and we're now at fracking. We're fracking people's wealth. Um, the one example of fracking is, A, I can, the financial industry can lie to you to earn your trust. Trust me, I'm an advisor. And I will take anyone in this room and walk through the name of your advisor on the website, type it in, I will show you where the license category is, and I will show you what they're legally licensed as, and it'll say behind their name, their license is brackets, salesperson. So, the, uh, the chair over there, I won't walk from the microphone, but it's got, it's got the uh, advisor, the legal advisor uh, card on it. It's a fiduciary duty that we imply that we, that we give as a service to all our clients. And the thing that we hide, here's where I'll step away from the microphone for just a second, I'll take this off, so Sheila won't get angry at me for losing sound, is way over here is the actual real license. It's behind this tree. And the real license says that the guy who says, trust me, I'm an advisor, is licensed as a dealing representative, and a dealing representative represents the dealer, and we're going to hide that from you. Now, how do you like me so far? If I've hidden from you my actual license, my agency duty to you, my loyalty to whom, how do you like me so far? I'm going to deal with your life savings, but I'm going to hide this stuff. The, uh, the most nefarious thing about that is, and the systemic thing is, we just introduced a new client relationship model in Canada, which is new regulatory standards, timber, as to uh, how you're supposed to understand what you're dealing with in the financial industry. These regulators have paid a lot of money to push out a lot of paper. So believe it or not, in the new client relationship model, which is less than nine months old, we don't have to tell you our license, we don't have to tell you our agency duty to whom, so I can, I can deal against you and I can deal for you. I can act as a counterparty to your financial interests. If I'm working for one of the banks, I only have what's called a suitability obligation. I only have to sell you things which are suitable. And suitable means I can nail together any product that in the uh, 
and the food industry would be like taking roadkill off the highway, cleaning it, cooking it, preparing it wonderfully, and serving it to you, Austin, because I guarantee you it is suitable. Unfortunately, I'm the arbiter of what's suitable, and I have concealed that information from you where it actually came from. And that's the other thing that the Ontario, forgive me for ducking, the Ontario Finance Ministry said, there's a stark asymmetry in financial knowledge. It's how much information I can conceal from you and how much I know versus how much you don't know. That's an asymmetry of financial knowledge between providers of financial planning and financial products, sales, and advice. And I'm running out of time, so I'm going to go to the very five minutes. The other left level that's systemic is exemptions to the law. And exemptions to the law are something that I've been asking finance ministers since the year 2000 in Alberta. Why would you allow the Alberta Securities Commission, what this slide is, to offer something called exempt financing? These are financings that are exempt from following our laws. So when the city of Lethbridge put $30 million into asset-backed commercial paper, those papers had received exemptions so they didn't have to get proper rating requirements. In other words, they were crap and we needed to sell them. So we go to the Securities Commission, we apply for an exemption to the law, and we can sell them to the city. We can put them in a school division, we can put them in a pension fund. The ironic thing is that the judge's pension plan Public Pension Plan of Canada lost $2 billion that year in, in subprime mortgages that they were sold. Um, and of course, the judges who granted everyone immunity from civil prosecution was the first thing they did. They didn't know that they'd been robbed by $2 billion. But exempt financings are the other thing where the Securities Commission is not protecting you, ladies and gentlemen. It is, it reminded me of the biggest news story I saw in 2012, I think was the tainted meat scandal in Brooks Packing Plant. The inspectors were letting tainted, less than standard quality hamburger out the door or something. We do that approximately once a day. There's, there's, there's sometimes 500 a year at the Alberta, Ontario, BC Securities Commission where we apply for an exemption to sell something that we would not ordinarily be able to legally sell, but we can put it in your account. In fact, if I'm a bank and I'm underwriting a stock and the stock isn't selling very good and I'm stuck with it on my shelf, I can apply for an exemption so that I can put it in your mutual funds. Because some of you folks have bank mutual funds. And here's the list of here's a list of exemptions at the Alberta Securities Commission of CIBC World Markets. There's 291 results. CIBC, Nesbitt, CIBC, you can look up the companies that are applying to get permission to skirt the laws to give you roadkill, I'm going to say, again, Austin, and provide that in your retirement accounts is unfair, it's unkind, it's not even professional. And that's why I, uh, that's why I talk the way I do, and I appreciate you listening to me. I better quit, and we better eat, and I'll look forward to some of your good questions. Thank you very much.